From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, your smart speaker, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry. On a night filled with massive trades, with huge franchise-changing moments where we saw teams that are bottom dwellers find real paths to suddenly become successful in the NFL draft. For all that we saw, the biggest story after night one of the draft is not who got picked, it's who didn't. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. HD and I were part of a huge mega cast last night through every single pick of the NFL draft. We will be back again tonight on all your digital platforms doing it again. And by about an hour in, you knew what the main story was going to be. Without question, as we watched the rumor mill had told us, according to Vegas even, according to Reddit, according to all the conspiracy theorists, according to some host. Hosts here, Will Levis was going to be picked too. Maybe Will was going to go four to the Colts. It was a sure thing. Well, the Colts went Anthony Richardson at four instead, and that started the free fall of Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. And as the draft went on and on, Harry, I kept looking at you and Field and Hawk and Harry Lows and Spencer Hall, kept looking at everybody saying, maybe this is the moment somebody trades up. The fact is, through the entire first round, nobody traded up. Nobody cared enough about the extra year in the contract. Nobody took the chance. Nobody took the swing. And Will Levis, one of the most highly talked about recruits coming into this year's NFL draft, still is on the board. And I think the most eye-opening part about it all, Fitz, for me, is the teams that could have drafted Will Levis, that decided not to. You look at the Titans at 11. They chose to go with Skaronsky, the offensive lineman. You look at the, uh, at the commanders in which we've been saying this on, on, on numerous of occasions that they need someone. They need a quarterback. They decide to go with Forbes, the cornerback out of um, Mississippi State. You look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have who has Kyle Trask and also, also Baker Mayfield. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need a quarterback. They passed on Will Levis and took Cansey. And then lastly, the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people talking about Kirk Cousins and his future with the with the football team. Well, they had an opportunity right there to to draft their future quarterback in Will Levis, but they chose Jordan Addison instead. So there's something that these teams, I won't say know that we don't know. I just think a lot of people when it when it came to the mock draft had high hopes for Will Levis, but in actual reality, the film told us everything that we needed to know about him and why he's dropping in this draft. Uh, I owe a huge mea culpa to our buddy Phil Mackey from Score North, uh, covers the Vikings on our mock draft. He did not pick a quarterback, and I just absolutely destroyed the pick. He may or may not have texted me last night with just, you know, the side eye emoji. So, you got that one. So, you're right. The Vikings (laughs) didn't go that direction. Surprising to every single team that you just mentioned mentioned they none of them have that guy we'll take the vikings out of the conversation i don't want minnesota fans to be lumped in the same way but when you talk about tampa bay when you talk about washington tampa bay you mentioned kyle trask and, and what well, baker mayfield right yeah. you, you you look at that's a better situation in some ways than what you have with the washington commanders where i guess they're just all in on jacoby Brissett or sam howell like uh, that's it started to get stunning at that point now todd mcshay espn nfl draft analyst you guys know todd well he's been on this show a hundred times. He was on SportsCenter with SVP after the draft and talked about why Will Levis fell out of the first round. 
the biggest thing studying tape was inside the pocket when he was bottled up a little bit and pressure started to come. I don't think he trusted his eyes and he didn't quite see the whole field. That was a big issue. He came off as kind of not having ideal personality and maybe some, some arrogance and some cockiness in his meetings. That's a team by team basis. But ultimately, the turnovers and the style of play too is an issue because he plays a quarterback position like a linebacker and we saw the toll it took on his body this past year. A lot of teams I talked to are worried that he's going to be a Carson Wentz case when it's all said and done. I mean, that, I understand all of that, Harry, but let's be reasonable here for a second. Those were all the same things we could have said yesterday, right now. And you and I have both on this show been very hard on Will Levis at times. There are a lot of people that with everything, like none of that's new. We didn't learn any of that last night. So for Will to free fall, we also have to acknowledge that a lot of people, even people here, were very wrong about Will Levis leading up to last night because that's not that's not new information. Like the draft didn't happen and then we find out that some of these issues existed on film. You've been talking about those issues on film for months. Well, I just think sometimes people, they, they may fall in love with the player, um, but, but them falling in love with the player is not necessarily a team falling in love with that player. When you talk about the turnovers, 23 in the last two two years, interceptions, turning the football over. Well, the National Football League, you can't do that in order to have a chance to win a football game. You talk about going through your reach. You got to be able to process, okay, my number one wide receiver is open. I'm going to number two. Number two is not there. I need to go to number three. Okay, three is not there. I need to go back to one late because now he is open. You got to be able to do that from that position and also the accuracy when it comes to gimme plays. When you have the layups – you got to hit the layups. You can't miss on those layups by short-arming or overthrowing running backs or tight ends or receivers that are out of the backfield, but also when you're scrambling. And this is what his offensive coordinator that he had, Liam Cohen, told us. One of the things that he need to work on when you're scrambling, scramble with your eyes downfield to, to still throw the football and then let the run be your last resort. That's something that he came, and came on this show and told us. But when it comes to Will Levis, and I will tell you this, Fitz, I don't wish what happened to him last night to anybody. We've seen Aaron Rodgers go through that, and at the end of the day, i got to be a human being too. I don't wish that on anyone because that's a night that you're you're looking forward to the most since you were a kid, being drafted, being at the draft, looking to go first round, but then not hearing your name. You, you, you have that sense of embarrassment, and I just I can't wait to see him actually get drafted because of some of the things that he had to go through last night, but also to prove himself right and the people that passed on him wrong. There's a very human element, and we talked about this last night on our show. We'll talk about it again tonight on our show when Will Levis is up. There's a very human element to what it means to fall. When you talk about the the sacrifice that any human being has made, that, that their families have made, that the people around them that love them have made, and the self-doubt that can sort of creep in through that process and certainly I don't know what it's like to be in a draft room but I do know what it's like to be invited to award shows where you think you're about to win best vocal group or best whatever you know and you're at this huge award show and you thought because you got that invite because they called you and said hey we really think you guys should be at this award show in person you, you blow everything up on your schedule and you go and you're like yeah we're gonna win something tonight and then you sit there nominated for a bunch of awards and you don't win and you just sit there and the next day you sit there and think man what's wrong with me what 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 didn't we do right? I think those are human emotions. You're right that it can turn into fuel. It's just, it, it's a seed of doubt that he's going to have to figure out how to manage. We talk a lot about just 
figuring out how to manage life for athletes. This is a real moment for Will Levis, his support structure, his family. Uh, the, the, everybody in his life that he loves is going to have an opportunity to help him heal through this, as dumb as that may sound to some people. But like, when you're in that room, the NFL invited you to that room. The NFL told you, come to the green room. He's not the only person that, that was in the green room didn't get drafted. I know that. But they tell you to do that. The cameras are in your face. You know the risk you're going to take. But no player ever takes the risk thinking they are going to be the one that ends up looking like an ass all night. I, would not, I wouldn't wish that on anybody in the process. And I also got to say this. Now, Will Levis has to be real with himself, right? Because when we look at the other three quarterbacks, we look at Bryce Young. He has that it factor. C.J. Stroud had that it factor, has that it factor. Anthony Richardson has that it factor. When I look at a guy like Will Levis, and Marcus Spears touched on this this morning, I thought he said it beautifully. Uh, when you look at him, he has a strong arm. Well, a lot of people have a strong arm. He can scramble and, and get out the pocket. Well, a lot of quarterbacks nowadays, that's the makeup of the NFL from the quarterback position. A lot of people can do that. What's his it factor? And if you're taking a quarterback in the first round, a lot of these teams, they're looking at it, okay, what allows him to stand out from everybody else that will make us take this guy in the first round? I can't sit up here and say I can name that for Will Levis. It's it's interesting because he's at this weird spot. And you're right, I can't name it either. But I, I think this is a weird spot for him to be at. Uh, two, I talked to Tui years ago when he was still in college when we were doing a digital show. And it was talking to him that he talked about the principle of so what, now what in his life. And his dad was a big believer of so what, now what. Wherever you are right now, who cares about how you got here? So what, now what are you going to do about it? Will Levis is going to have to make that compartmentalized so what, now what decision on how to move forward. Because this reminds me a little bit in, in some ways of our conversation about Giannis. Like, did Will Levis is going to get drafted. If you get drafted in the NFL, there is no fail in getting drafted. Yep. But what happened last night is something that he will internalize as a failure. How he rebounds from that is going to be huge. By the way, a little context I think matters a lot here. Chris Mortensen, the great Mort, tweeted out last night. This is the tweet. I'll read it word for word. Will Levis's left toe that caused him to miss two games last year was, quote, problematic, end quote, for one team that considered him. Levis says the toe is healed and is good to go. Another team believes Levis could manage it, but thought surgery would be need, would need discussion after the season. Levis disagrees. We always see this after the draft. Again, this is not this is information we didn't have 24 hours ago. I don't know why, but more at least giving some context that at least one team felt that the left toe issue is a huge part of this conversation. Well, it was the medical last year for Nicobe Dean, right? Yep. That that allowed him to fall right to the was it the third round. And that's when yep, Philly finally took him. Yeah, and this this so the medical plays a major part in this in this thing too. Well, we're going to keep breaking down all the draft. I I can promise you that. There's a ton to get to on the draft. We're also going to talk to some superstars, of course, uh, across the course of the next several hours. People that are actually in draft rooms that have the opportunity with teams to say yes or no. One team passed on Will Levis. We'll find out why from their GM next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. The NFL Draft. Coverage of rounds two and three begin today at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
With the 11th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Peter Skaronski, offensive tackle, Northwestern. I want him more than anything. Love Friday, baby. It might be post-first night of the draft, but we're not changing up Love Friday. Now, tonight, you might want to light the candles, get ready for the hibbity-dibbity, and then throw your phone on the side, like just, just so you can have the draft up. You can watch Harry and I do is it bad that I'm like sitting here trying to promote they should watch us on the draft coverage tonight while they're, you know, maybe working on Love Friday? You just uh, that would be weird. Well, I mean, that just is like you know, just leaning. Let up me on watch the- Harry and Fitz while while we're doing the hippity dippity. I, I, I mean, well, I mean, I'm just saying like maybe their favorite teams on the clock and they're like you know it's just, uh, it's just or maybe we're their favorite team. Yeah, may, you know what? Maybe we inspire. Maybe there'll be ceiling fans on set tonight. I have no idea. It's Ooh. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Okay, all joking aside, uh, one of the greatest things about working with Harry Douglas every single day is not only that he's one of my dearest friends and that I love the guy, but he's also got a hell of a Rolodex. He used it today. Titans GM Rand Carthon joining us right now. Rand, really appreciate your time on a busy day. Most importantly, if Harry were available in the NFL draft last night, you certainly would have picked him at 11, right? Not in the first round. <laughs> that's, maybe, why, maybe, that's why I love him. Three. That's, that's why I love him. He's going to keep it real. He's going to keep it raw and real with you. Oh, Every that's time. Amazing. That's amazing. All right, so you guys did pick Peter Skaronsky at 11. Uh, what did you love about him? Well, Peter was a guy that we had, you know, highly ranked on our board. Honestly, didn't think he would get there. So, um, you know, Mike and I, we worked through a bunch of different scenarios on Wednesday and had been working on scenarios throughout. And it just presented itself, you know, that he was there, which we didn't expect. Um, but what we like about him, you know, our our mantras and our motto is, you know, speed, violence, and versatility, right? And he, you know, checks all three of those, you know, boxes for us. Um, you know, he has speed for his position, you know, he has violence and, you know, he's, he plays hard and he's physical and then the versatility, you know, he could play tackle, he could play guard, he could play all the way across. So it was just a, you know, a box that, that we checked and get taken the best available player and a guy that's going to help come and shore up our offensive line. So, Rand, that was my next question for you. Where on that offensive line do you envision Peter Skaronsky playing for you next year? Offensive line. <laughs> I think I think uh, you know I think Peter will work that out himself. Um, again, I think he he gives us the versatility to put the best five on the on the field. No, look at I mean at GM extraordinaire already. Just dancing around, just tap dancing around all of that. Time. I love every second of it. We're talking that's, to Rand. That's Cardone. my boy. Uh, all right, so obviously you don't care about mocks, but we do. We have to sit here and talk about ra- this stuff on radio for three hours a day. So uh, a lot of mocks talked about you guys trying to move up for a quarterback. How much in your draft process was quarterback considered? I mean, we consider every position. You know, we owe it to the organization. We owe it to, you know, our football team uh, to do so. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the, um, you know, my pre-draft press conference where I talked about – all the calls that you receive, all the calls you make, you know, it's it's posturing on a lot of sides of, you know, trying to gauge people's interest in moving up and moving back, and that kind of gives you intel on 
you know, who can be coming up ahead of you, who could, who's looking to drop back below you. Um, and again, it just helps you and so helps you surround the, you know, the earlier part of the draft and helps you make most informed decisions. So, um, <clears throat> again, for us, man, we're all about adding good football players, however they come. And so we're going to always look to explore every situation. Rand, how was last night for you? Because this is the first time that you are a general manager. It was your first draft in which you were making picks. What was last night like for you? Um, you know, Harry, you know, uh, if you if you take it back to, you know, when you play ball and you score a touchdown for the first time and you're dancing and you're celebrating and the first thing your coach grabs you and says is act like you've been here before. Right. So when I woke up yesterday, I don't know why, but that was always that was that was the only thing that was in my mind is act like I've been there before. You know, so uh, I'm I'm lucky to come into a situation as a first time GM where I have an established and successful head coach to lean on. You know, so I leaned on Mike, you know, for his experience. And I just acted like I've been there before. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Rand Carthon, Titans uh, general manager. You mentioned coming into an organization with an experienced head coach. Vrabel is kind of the identity of the Titans nationally for so many people. But last night, Harry and I were on a draft broadcast, and Field Yates, as you guys were on the clock, said, I'm not sure with a new GM and a new roster being built what the identity is of the Titans right now. How would you answer that? I mean, you said it. You know, I mean, we're we're building this in the image of Mike. Um, and, you know, he's been here. And, again, I'm lucky to come into a place where the where the culture is already established, right? And I can just come in and just add value, you know, in any way, shape, or form that I may be able to. Um, you know, most situations for a new GM coming in, it's a new GM. It's usually a new head coach. And so you're trying to create an identity, trying to create, you know, a culture. And I think our culture here is uh, is built. And so I can just come in and just add value wherever I may to help improve our team. There were rumors out there that you guys were probably – be looking to trade Derrick Henry. How the, how does that work into your plans? <laughs> um, I mean, again, I, I tell all our guys, um, our players, when these things come up, if it's not a, from Mike, myself, or Amy, then it's probably not worth looking into. Um, we have conversations with our players, um, you know, surrounding their contract statuses and those things. And if they don't hear it directly from us, then it's it's – 99.9% not true. So all those things that came out, you know, from about Derek and all those things, it, it just it didn't come from inside our building. So we, we just ignore the noise, and um, you know, we, we just ask that our players do the same. You know, it's not accidental, Rand, that I made Harry ask you all the tough questions. I mean, you guys are buddies, right? So <laughs> Harry and I have known each other for a long, a long time, but I can never get anybody to spill any dirt. You got like a crazy Harry Douglas story that the world needs to know? I think Harry knows the story. So I'm going to tell. Um, this is when I knew Harry Douglas was a real dude. Uh, this was his rookie year. Um, and, you know, it was a a practice skirmish uh, between him and Lawyer Malloy. And Lawyer was the, you know, judge, jury, and executioner of the team at the time. And nobody messed with Law Dog. And so, you know, him and Harry squared up, you know, at practice. And, you know, it, was, it got broke up pretty quick or whatever. So, Fast forward, practice is over. Um, you know, people are in the cafeteria eating. I'm actually walking. Um, I'm walking behind Harry as, you know, as we're going back towards the locker room. And then Lawyer Malloy is coming down the hallway. 
and they make eye contact. And the first thing Harry does is drops his backpack and squares up, like, what's up? Like, are we, are we ready to fight? And, you know, and Law Dog just kind of looked at him and kind of like, hey, no, nah, man, we, we all good. You know, we're going to leave that on the field. You know, and for, for a young rookie, as skinny as Harry was, you know, to, to want to square up, you know, with Law Dog, that told me all I needed to know about who he was. He's still tiny, but he's still got all that attitude. I'm just saying. Uh, Ram, we appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. Real uh, real quick, you want to just let us know who you guys are going to pick at the top of the set. <laughs> okay, take with the 41st pick, mm-hmm. the uh, Tennessee Titans will select. Uh-huh. I love it. Congratulations. Uh, we're both really excited to watch what you do with the Titans. Uh, we're rooting for you from where we are respectively, and uh, we appreciate your time on a busy day, man. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. No, I appreciate you guys. Anything for Harry, man. Oh, look at that. Uh, see, you know, soon it'll be anything for Harry and Fitz. I feel like Rand and I are going to end up being besties. <laughs> Harry was very happy when the Falcons took B. John Robinson. Harry Douglas and Harry Lyles. I had two Georgia guys on set with me that were both ecstatic. There's one person that might have been even happier, and he joins us next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. The NFL Draft. Coverage of rounds two and three begin today at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. With the eighth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Bijan Robinson, running back, Texas. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Love Friday, setting the mood. And I'm telling you, last night on our draft megacast on digital platforms, the mood was set immediately with the pick you just heard. I'm not going to lie. I got Harry Douglas sitting next to me. I got Harry Lyles that covers college football for us, a huge Georgia guy sitting at the other end of the table. I got Field Yates two seats away from me. And all of them, when the Falcons were on the clock, were salivating at the thought of B. John Robinson, which turns out to be the pick. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're going to break it down now with the guy that was in the room when it all went down. Arthur Smith, Falcons head coach, joins us right now. Harry's pulling out the Rolodex in mega style. Like, this is untouchable. We need a whole segment called Harry's Rolodex. Coach, really appreciate your time. We'll start with the obvious here. Bijan Robinson, what did you guys love about the player to make him the pick? Well, first, thanks for having me on. Um, but, you know, in terms of Bijan, we're so excited uh, to get Bijan in our program. I mean, he's made of all the right characteristics we look for and then obviously he's a phenomenal football player and he's a lot more than just a running back he's an explosive guy with the ball in his hands and just another piece with uh that'll fit in here because we've got a lot of versatile players skilled players on our offense 
And, Coach, that's what I want to get to next because you guys do have Kyle Pitts coming back next year. He got injured late in the season. You do have Drake London who really stepped up big time uh, the middle of the year, late last year as well. Now you have B. John Robinson. And I see a theme here. You want to surround your young quarterback with great talent. So that pushes him in a direction to be great as well. Is that Was that the thinking when taking B. John Robinson there on top of him being the best player on the board? Yeah, absolutely. It's part of it. You know, you don't go back and people forget the, the history. They just see the end results of uh, some of these quarterbacks. Uh, you know, go back and look early in their careers. You know, there's a lot of ways to win. And then once, <clears throat> obviously, guys get into the times of their career and, and you know, you better be winning because of the quarterback, you know, especially the, the investment and the hit that they make on your salary cap. And, um, and as you, do, you know, I've seen some really good young quarterbacks have come in some bad situations and, and it hasn't worked out well. And, and you've seen some other guys step in there, very stable organizations. I mean, look at Pat Mahomes. When he, by the time he stepped in there, he sat for a year, but that was a couple of years into that program. And there were a lot of good players around him. And uh, there was a winning culture around him. And certainly we feel great about the guys we have, Harry. I mean, as you know, I mean, we can move a lot of these guys around. We've added John Smith. We've added Matt Collins. we got Cordell Patterson. I mean, guys, Tyler Algier. I mean, there's a lot of different ways we can attack you. And uh, we got a line that plays a very physical style as well. I think that's another eye-opening thing for me, Coach, is, you know, the different personnel groupings that you guys can go or, or display to your opponent. And your opponent can think they're right. But a lot of the times they, they're not going to be right because of the way that offensive line played last year and re-signing Chris Lindstrom to a long-term deal, having Caleb McGarry coming back, but having Tyler Ajir, just having so many versatile pieces offensively puts you at an advantage from an offensive standpoint. Can you touch on that a little bit more? Yeah. and You know, you know the stress you can put even just on the substitutions, you know, how people want to play you because – you can roll out there and you can put packages in there and okay, if you identify this guy at the back or you identify this guy at the tight end, you come out there and you're in some spread formations and, and you feel good about the matchups. I mean, you, you could certainly do that, but when you when you have guys like Kyle and John who and guys that can line up everywhere, it makes it hard. I and mean, you have backs that, that can that can line up everywhere. I mean, seeing all the places that Patterson's lined up for us and Certainly with Bijan, we do. Like I said, he, he's a different player. None of those guys' skill sets are the exact same. Tyler's a very different back than, than the rest of those guys as well. And uh, it's a long season. And, you, you know, you're trying to find ways to get the ball in guys' hands. Or, you know, if you want to sit there and the, the matchups where they can't just take away one player. If they want to ro- roll the coverage or double somebody. And so it gives you a lot of options. We're talking to Falcons head coach Arthur Smith. I'm Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. So, Coach, I sit with Harry every day on this radio show, and he's been adamant that you guys have your quarterback, that Desmond Ritter is the guy for Atlanta. But I also see all of the outside noise from people that cover things that say Atlanta would consider a quarterback. How much was quarterback considered for you guys in this draft? We feel great about Des. We do. And when you're you know, sitting in there with a, with a relatively high pick, you better do your homework on everybody. Uh, it's how you learn the league. And like you said, you just never know what's going to happen. We feel great about where Des is at in the development. We feel great about Taylor Heineke coming in here. You know, you have depth there at a quarterback position. Um, but you, but that's our job because, you, you know, whether you, whether you get those players or maybe, you know, a couple of years from now, they may come up in free agency or whatever it is, or hell, you, you, you have to play them, you know, a couple times a year as well, too. Um, all that stuff matters. 
I think every interaction you have, uh, there's a lot of talented players in this league. There's a lot of great people coming in this league too. Uh, I said this the other day that, you know, it's easy to get cynical about a lot of things and well, these guys, you know, they don't, they don't, they didn't play in the same era that Harry did or, or, you know, when, you know, some of the other guys, you know, before him and everybody's era thinks they're, it was a lot tougher and harder or whatever. There's some unbelievable people coming in this league and the health of the game is in a good spot. Coach, last one I got for you. You guys have really added a lot of pieces to your defense. You brought in Calais Campbell. You got Omenyata. You brought in Elis. You had Bud Dupree. You traded for Jeff Okuda. Also Mike Hughes. What was the mindset in that, bringing all those guys over defensively, not just you know young guys, but veteran guys that have played prominent roles in the National Football League on their previous teams? Yeah, Harry, I mean, you know how much the mentality that we want to play, and that's in all three phases. Yeah, and we're looking for guys that played like you did, right, Harry? I mean, they come in all shapes and forms. I mean, I don't know how good of a speed to power rusher you would have been, but damn, you would have you would have died trying. <laughs> guys that get in, get in the mix, and so you know, and adding Jesse Bates back there, and along with the development of some of the other guys, and AJ and Richie Grant, and you know, Jalen Hawkins, and we got depth, and we got guys with a with a similar mindset. They got different skill sets, and. We want to come in ways at you up front. And guys we brought back, Lorenzo Carter, you know, obviously Grady, been here for a long time and, and you know, is a one of our one of our true leaders in that locker room. And uh we feel good about where we're at you know in the style of football we want to play. Coach, I just I'm sitting next to Harry this morning. I watched him eat bacon and eggs and a whole pizza so far. He hasn't worked out in a year, and he's still in like <laughs> godlike shape. Uh, if, you, if you if you put the cleats on and strap, like if we got him back in the draft today, what do we think? Day three pick? Like we still get? Can he? Can he? He's still on the board somewhere, right? Yeah, you know I'm partial to Harry just because that you know the way he plays. I mean, if, if you need somebody to go in there and uh, do the dirty work, he was he was the first one in line to do it. And obviously he was a great receiver, could make plays on his own too. And uh, so, yeah, I probably a little partial. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't get know it. The, the, the scouts would do with him, but I, I would probably grade him a little higher just because I know. <laughs> I, he's doing the dirty work in the calf today. No, and, and still looks like a golden God. I don't <laughs> understand it. Uh, you guys pick it. You, you pick 13th in the second round. We, I know we got to get you out of here. You just, I mean, if you want to let us know who you're going to pick, uh, this is a good opportunity. I'm just throwing it out there if you want to. <laughs> Even if I told you, that'd be a pretty uh, bad thing. You know what? I I got to ask. You got to answer. Everybody played the game there. Uh, Coach, we really appreciate your time. Yeah. No, thanks for y'all's time. Thank you so much. Congratulations on a great first round. Uh, Harry Douglas just pulling out the Rolodex extraordinaire. Arthur Smith, Falcons head coach, really excited for what Bijan Robinson means for that offense and for what it means for the development of Desmond Ritter. The 2023 NFL Draft is on ESPN Radio, presented by Boost Mobile. Second and third round coverage begins tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern, on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. One team may have won the draft before it even started. We'll explain it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Brought to you by Wendy's $3 Breakfast Deal. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you're ready for the draft. Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. The NFL Draft. Coverage of rounds two and three begin today at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. With the first pick. and Harry, the podcast.
Officially, the Ravens have announced a new five-year agreement with Lamar Jackson. The Ravens got an assist from the Falcons and the Commanders and all these other teams that are desperate for quarterback play. Those teams actually helped Baltimore keep Lamar Jackson by not creating any market for him whatsoever. But for the next five years, it's a lot of flock going on. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Let's go, man. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Love Fridays. Computer, computer love. We're setting the mood. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family's well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, your laptops, and more with electronic device insurance. And cover your furry friends. With pet health insurance. I love you, Annabelle. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, you know who can afford all the insurance they want? Lamar Jackson. Uh, look, we uh, yesterday, we we're getting ready for the draft. And I'm sitting down with our producer, Chris Cologne. Does great work every year for us on the draft broadcast. One of our good friends. We're getting ready for our mega cast, right? I'm sitting at Cologne's desk, and we're going over all the ins and outs of how we want to start the show. How do we get into the draft? What's going to be the big moment? We know we have seven minutes till the first team's on the clock. We're planning the whole thing. And there we are. And Cologne's type, type, typing away in the computer and like setting what they call a rundown, right? We're getting ready for it. Uh, the, the, the rest of the talent on the show, they're all like putting their minds around the draft. And all of a sudden, somebody about five desks away says, Lamar just signed like it was no big deal. Lamar just signed. And we're like... Huh? And all I saw was Cologne just take his laptop and slowly close it because he knew the entire top of the show changed. We, uh, 24 hours ago, it was, could Lamar get traded on draft day? And the answer to that is no. Instead, he signs a massive deal, a five-year deal with the Ravens. The team announced the deals were $260 million, a source told ESPN, making Jackson the highest-paid player in the league at $52 million per year. It includes $185 million in guaranteed money, the source said. Sources previously said Jackson was seeking the $230 million in guaranteed money Deshaun got from the Browns. Kyler Murray got 189.5 from the Cardinals last year. So he ends up getting a guarantee on his deal that's the second highest from what we know right now in the entire NFL. We can talk all day long about whatever money he could have gotten, whatever money uh, the the Ravens could have saved. The biggest point to me here is that for all the conversation that Lamar didn't want to be with the Ravens and the Ravens didn't want to be with Lamar, at the end of the day, money talked. Well, I, I just I love that the, the two sides could actually get this deal done, right? They they had their differences throughout the entire process, not just uh, this offseason, but the last year or two, right? They, they didn't see eye to eye, but I think both sides looked at it like, you know what? The best interest for the Baltimore Ravens is, is to have Lamar Jackson. The best interest for Lamar Jackson is to be a Baltimore Raven. And I love what the Ravens were able to do with their first-round draft pick and bringing in Zay Flowers. Now that skill position group is looking a little different for Lamar Jackson coming into this deal, that five-year deal, $185 million guaranteed, $260 um, over, overall for the, for the total amount. But I'm just happy that they're able to reach a point to where, you know, they can agree on a common goal and a common number. Uh, and, and actually, in this case, uh, it didn't look good at one point. But like, you know, Eric DaCosta explained in an interview, you know, family fights sometimes. You may fight with your brother or your sister. You may fight with a family member. 
but you come back together and you figure out how to get through things. And I think that's what the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson were able to do. Now the Ravens have their quarterback to compete in the AFC because if you don't have one, you don't have a damn chance. Vince. Yeah, I mean that we we were talking about it last night, and you look at the list of quarterbacks, and Orlovsky pointed this out smartly that at this point there are eight or nine we consider really good, like next level quarterbacks in the AFC. I mean, some of them are going to miss the playoffs. If you're the Ravens, you want any shot. You needed Lamar. And also, then they turn around and pick Zay Flowers with the 22nd pick, which had you and Field both laughing out loud because they go out and say, okay, we, you know what? OBJ, come on in. We're going to get Lamar, but you're also going to have to hit in the draft. Like, th- this is a lesson not just for the Ravens, but let's also say for the Chargers. This is a lesson for the Bengals. If you are going to pay your quarterback, and, and I tell you all the time, there's no evidence that once you pay your quarterback, you can't win. None. There's no data that supports that. The one thing you do know is you sure as hell better draft right. Kansas City does it every time. Kansas City hits in the draft all the time. That's why Kansas City hits in the draft, which allows them to pay the Patrick Mahomes of the world. The Ravens are now under that level of pressure because there's a ton of money guaranteed to Lamar. Zay Flowers better be right. They always pick wide receivers. They never get it right. Hopefully they did with this one. Well, I think, you know, when you look at the body type of Zay Flowers, you think of probably a guy like Hollywood Brown. I think he is way better than Hollywood Brown, a more advanced wide receiver, I think he can, you know, do a lot of different things on the football field. I think he makes contested catches better than Hollywood Brown. I think his stop and start is better than Hollywood Brown's was as well. But if you're Todd Munkin, you have to be excited, their new offensive coordinator, because you don't have to wait for your starting quarterback to get to the facility to learn the new offense that you're putting in. Your guy can be there with the rest of the offense learning and ironing out the kinks that they may have early on because every offense has them when they're when people are learning a new offense he's going to be able to be there and Lamar Jackson wants to be there I love that point and the more times with the Ravens we say new offense the the more important that becomes I just need everybody to understand that the Ravens have a chance to to sort of rebuild themselves in the image of what they think Lamar Jackson can be. Not not whatever Lamar Jackson has done in the past. That doesn't matter. Like the whole argument of what style you win with with Lamar is literally crumpled up like toilet paper and thrown out at this point because new offensive coordinator means new opportunity to build around Lamar. Well, just in case people forgot what they do have, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely. Sounds pretty good to me. Sounds like an offense that I like. Uh, and the part of the question has always been, will they get the coaching and the scheme that they need to make the most out of them? This is a chance to see that. I'm excited to see where this goes for Baltimore and obviously where it goes for the Ravens, or for Lamar specifically. In the meantime, we're going to look back at the draft in an interesting way. We'll give you some of the winners and losers in a way only this show can. Next, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 